Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet... He was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Our Father, we give you thanks for your precious holy word. We thank you for the anointing upon the word and upon our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel and that the Word may go forth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In Jesus' name, amen. In our Wednesday evening services, we've been discussing, teaching about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whichever way you want to say it. And just to reiterate a few points, we said that it is the Holy Spirit who carries out the Father's plan and the works of the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of the believer. For this reason, it is of utmost importance that every child of God become intimately and personally acquainted with the Holy Ghost through the Word and, of course, through prayer. I'll say that again. Because it is the Holy Ghost who carries out the Father's plan and the works of Jesus in the life of the believer, it is of vital importance, of utmost importance, that every child of God become personally, intimately acquainted with the Holy Spirit through the Word and, of course, through prayer. All that God has planned for us and all that Jesus has done for us will never be realized in our lives without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, It's expedient that I leave and go away, for if I go not away, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, will not come unto you. So it's more profitable for us that Jesus go away and the Holy Spirit come in, his, in this dispensation to carry out the Father's plan and to Work the works of Jesus in us. Make them become a reality. In other words, if the Holy Spirit didn't come, we wouldn't be born again in spirit field. And all that the Father planned and Jesus did would be to no avail. Because it is the Holy Ghost that makes it a reality. It's important to understand that, beloved, because He makes everything a reality. What good is it to know that my God supplieth all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus and not understanding how He does it? 
pretty good point, isn't it? I mean, you can starve to get to death saying, my God supplies all of my need. As a matter of fact, you could die from sickness and disease unless you know how the Holy Ghost makes Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses a reality in your life. A good many Christians have died from sickness and disease saying, but I know that Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my pains. I just don't understand it. Well, you see, beloved, that's because it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's His ministry that makes what Jesus did a reality. We can't look at this plan of redemption from a legalistic standpoint. We can't minister just the Word by itself without the unction of the Spirit. For the Spirit and the Word, they agree. So it's of utmost importance we realize and recognize that it is the Holy Spirit that carries out the plan of, Je of the Father and the works of Jesus in us, making these truths realities. And what we could say is He makes legalities realities. See, what Jesus has done for us through the Father's plan is legal. Legally ours. We legally are healed according to God's Word, according to the works of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit takes that legal part of our redemption, which is our right and privilege, and makes it a reality. And here's where many miss it. They never get to the place of reality with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want reality with God. How about you? I want reality with God. I want to know Him intimately. Knowledge is progressive. The Apostle Paul said, My heart's desire, my earnest desire, is that I may become progressively more intimately acquainted with Him. To know the wonders of His person and the power outflowing of His resurrection. That I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead while I'm at home in my mortal body. That was His earnest desire. And the only way that can happen is by the Holy Spirit through the Word. The Holy Spirit is reproducing the Father's life in us through the works of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, then we went on to say that this portion of Scripture reveals to us two experiences. Two experiences that we need to familiarize ourselves with. Two experiences, not one, but two. And it is the Holy Spirit that is carrying out these two experiences. So we can call them two experiences with the Holy Ghost. Number one, and that's in verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God. That means they were born again. What did they receive? The Word of God. What does 1 Peter 1, 23 say? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we call being born again, being born anew, being born from above, being saved, or receiving the Word of God, or receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. Any way you want to say it is fine with me, as long as you're washed in the blood, <laughs> which is another way you can say it. We call that the new birth. And in the new birth, there is a work 
of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. But that work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is not called receiving the Holy Spirit. It is called being born again. It is called receiving eternal life. It is called receiving the life and the nature of God. It is called being a new creature or a new creation. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, don't try to understand this with your mind. The Bible says, trust the Lord with your heart. Lean not to your understandings. As you can see from Scripture, they received in verse 14 the Word of God, the new birth. They were born again. They had the life and nature of God imparted to their spirits. Born from above, washed in the blood, saved. Whatever way you want to say it, that's what they were. But there's another experience which is subsequent to salvation, which is called receiving the Holy Ghost. So in the first experience with the Holy Ghost, we have the witness of the Spirit, that measure of the Spirit, where He recreates our human spirit, making us a new creation. And that should not be too hard to understand. But this second experience, which is subsequent to salvation, is called receiving the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 15. They sent for Peter and John, and in verse 15, who, when they were come down. Now, I want you to notice that these are two apostles. Two apostles of the Lord. They came down from Jerusalem. The church was established there at Jerusalem. And they came from Jerusalem to Samaria because they had heard, what did they hear? Well, that they had heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, Jesus, and they were born again. So immediately, Peter and John came down and prayed for them. He did not pray for them to get saved. They did not pray for them to get sanctified. But they prayed for them, in verse 15, that they might receive who? The Holy Ghost. Now, brothers and sisters, so many try to read through these scriptures, like many individuals do in the body of Christ, and they say, once you're born again, you have all the Holy Ghost there is. Well, they should have told that to Peter and John. Because Peter and John didn't know that. Because Peter and John came down to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Didn't they? So it's quite obvious that when they were first born again, they did not receive this experience called receiving the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, or, as we Pentecostals say, being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. (laughs) Amen. They didn't receive that experience. Verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Now, brothers and sisters, that's as clear as can be. A person would have to be dishonest or just without any spiritual discernment whatsoever to read these scriptures and not come to the conclusion that first they were saved and then at least however long it took Peter and John to come from Jerusalem to Samaria... They were not spirit-filled as of yet. 
Then, second, they were spirit-filled when they came down. At least for that length of time. So that shows that it was an experience subsequent to salvation. That means that one does not receive all the Holy Spirit he can receive when he's born again. So this second experience is of utmost importance in our lives if we are going to be acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And if this scripture says that as of yet he was fallen upon none of them, they're only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If verse 15 says they've not received the Holy Ghost, then, beloved, how can you become acquainted with somebody that you've not received? I didn't become acquainted with Jesus until I made him my Lord and Savior. And when I did, I became personally acquainted with him. And I've continued to grow in the knowledge of him since that day. Well, the same thing is true here. We may have the witness of our spirit, of the spirit, in our spirit, and we can be led by the spirit, but this experience called receiving the Holy Spirit is of utmost importance for all of us so that we can become intimately acquainted with His ministry in our lives and in the earth today. So we've emphasized that and that's of utmost importance. And we need to recognize it. Now, let me just give you another scripture just to support that. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 7, and verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, Very important scripture here. If any man thirst... Are you thirsty? David says, I'm thirsty. As in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your glory and your power so as I have seen you in the sanctuary. I long for and I thirst after your glory and your presence. I don't believe we know what it means to be thirsty unless you were out there in that desert in the hot heat of the day where no water is and your tongue begins to swell up and stick to the roof of your mouth. You become so dry and oh, what you would give for a spring of water to go quench your thirst. You long for it. You desire it so bad. You're eagerly yearning for it. Jesus said, if any man thirst, you got to be thirsty. you got to be hungry for the things of God. You've got to be thirsty for the things of God. Let him come. Let him come. If you're thirsty, let him come. And unto me and drink. He that believeth on me. Notice this, number one. He that believeth on me. The scripture in, in, in Acts 8 said they believed on Jesus. Then Peter and John came down to pray that they would receive the Holy Ghost. Well, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But now notice this. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him should receive. That's why Peter and John went down there, wasn't it? So that they would receive the Holy Spirit. 
Not Jesus. They've already received Jesus. That's believing on Him. And it says here, Jesus said it Himself. Notice, Jesus said it Himself. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now look at over there in chapter 14 of John's Gospel, and verse 16, and we can see something here. We can see that the world or a non-believer cannot receive this experience that Jesus made reference to. Someone who is in the world cannot receive this experience that Jesus made reference to. Come unto me and drink and receive the Holy Spirit. John 14 and verse 16. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Whom the world cannot receive. Whom the world cannot receive. But you know who the world can receive? Jesus, to be their personal Lord and Savior. See, the world can receive Jesus and be born again. And the Holy Spirit will recreate their spirit, making them into a place of habitation for God in the Spirit. And then believers... They that believe on Him should receive. Peter and John went down to Samaria to those who have already received Jesus, the Word of God, to pray for them that they might receive the Spirit. Couldn't be any more, you know, plain. The world cannot receive the Spirit. The world can receive Jesus. Why? Because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But you know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So here we have the words of the Master teaching us that the world cannot receive the person of the Holy Spirit. But the world can receive eternal life. And the Spirit will baptize them into the body of Christ. They will be in Christ. They will become a new creation or a new creature. The life and nature of God will be imparted to their spirit. They're a child of God. If they die, they're going to heaven. But, He doesn't want them just to be saved and not be filled with the Spirit. He instructed His own disciples to go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem for the purpose of being endued with power from on high. And when the Holy Ghost would come upon them, He said He would baptize them in the Holy Ghost or with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and then they would be witnesses unto Me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But notice, He didn't want them to go out into ministry until they were endued with power from on high. They weren't waiting to be more sanctified or to be more holy. They weren't waiting for anything but the day of Pentecost, which signified the day when the Holy Ghost would descend and come and His dispensation would begin in the earth. That's all they were waiting for. It is not scriptural to tarry or to wait for the Holy Ghost. Once you've been born again, once you've been saved, washed in the blood, and you have eternal life, you are at that point a candidate to receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. You don't need to get to a place of, of holiness or get to a place of sanctification. Once you have been washed in the blood, you can't become any holier. Do you see that? Once you've been 
Washed in the blood, you are holy because He is holy. And that's all you need to be ready. And once you've been washed in the blood, you're ready. Now you can receive the Holy Spirit. Go back to Acts chapter 2. We see the pattern established for us on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Put a bookmarker there in Acts chapter 2 and let's do this. Let's show you first the prophecy and then this is the fulfillment of the prophecy and the instruction given to us as believers concerning being filled with the Holy Ghost. In Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel chapter 36 and Acts chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning at verse 26. A new heart also will I give you. This is speaking about the new birth, prophesying concerning the new birth. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Now, that's talking about the human spirit, man's human spirit. Now, notice this. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to recreate your spirit. I'm going to give you a new heart or a new spirit. But now in verse 27, and, or in addition to, that I will put my spirit within you. Notice this. First, I will give you a new spirit. And I will put my spirit within you. Now, that's very simple. He's not going to put his spirit into a vessel that's stony, is he? No, he's first going to give you a new spirit. Then secondly, he's going to put his spirit within you. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 2 and let's just see how that was preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost. In verse 37, we'll start there. Peter just got done preaching his sermon. And these Jews heard his message and they were moved by the message that he preached. And in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Well, doesn't that constitute salvation? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's receiving a new heart. And you shall receive. Now, wait a minute. Peter was preaching according to Jesus' teaching. Because I'll show you that in the next verse also. But didn't Jesus say the world cannot receive the Holy Ghost? That's why He didn't just say, well, receive the Holy Ghost. He didn't say that. He said, first, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's being saved. Step one. Then step two. See, this, a new heart will I give you. 
And, he said, you shall receive the gift, the gift. See, the Holy Ghost is not the gift to the world. Jesus is the gift to the world. God so loved the world that he gave who? But the Holy Ghost is a gift to who? Believers. Why? Luke eleven thirteen. what does it say? If ye then, being evil, can give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? See, the Holy Spirit is not a gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer. So you must become a believer before you are able to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why Peter said, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Have your sins remitted, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, notice this. For the promise is unto you. Well, that's them right there. We don't fall in that class, do we? We weren't there. And your children. Well, we don't fall in that class either. We're not their children. But how about this next class? And to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, that's me. <laughs> How about you? I'm one of them whosoever's right there. He's called me and saved me by His grace. Amen? And the Bible says everybody that's saved is called of God with the holy calling. Amen? Well, we've been called of God. So, as many as are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So, the promise of what? The Holy Ghost. Sure, the promise of the Holy Ghost. Didn't Jesus promise to send the Holy Ghost before He left? Sure. So step number one is to receive salvation. Step number two is to receive the person of the Holy Ghost. Now, the person of the Holy Ghost is the manifest presence of God the Father and God the Son in the person of the Holy Ghost actually coming in to your spirit, making your body the temple of the living God. And the best way I seem to be able to describe that is going back to the Old Covenant where the Ark of the Covenant contained the very Shekinah glory of God, the manifest presence of God. That manifest presence that was shut up in the Holies of Holies has actually come to indwell the believer in the person of the Holy Ghost. And my brother and sister, that's a mouthful. That is something to shout about. That's something to get excited about. When we talk about God in us, we're not talking about just an influence or a force. We're talking about God Himself in the person of the Holy Ghost actually moving in, bringing His belongings, all that He has, all that He is, and saying, I'm staying a while. Do you mind? Come on in, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on in, Father. Amen. That's what receiving the Holy Ghost is. See, some people get hung up on tongues. Don't get hung up on tongues. I hear Pentecostal people saying, you know what you need to do? You need to receive tongues. No, you don't. You need to receive the Holy Ghost. Then you'll speak with tongues. I guarantee you that when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll speak with tongues. How do you know that? Look at Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, they didn't receive another Holy Ghost that we received. It doesn't say they were filled with tongues, does it? Someone says tongues is done away with. Well, if tongues is done away with, so is the Holy Ghost. 
I said, if tongues have been done away with, so is the Holy Ghost. Because when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's go over to Acts 19, and I'll show you that even another individual. Now, this fellow, I don't know if you can believe his doctrine or not. He only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. His name was the Apostle Paul. But, you know, before that, he was a murderer, a persecutor of the church. He was Saul of Tarsus. Then he got saved, cleaned up, lost in the blood of the Lamb, got spirit-filled, spoke with other tongues. As a matter of fact, he spoke in tongues more than ye all. He's from Texas or Oklahoma. You know... <laughs> And he spoke in tongues more than ye all. That's what he said. Didn't he say that? Someone says, I don't believe in them Pentecostal ministries. Well, you, you better start because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and he was a tongue talker and talked more in tongues than all the Corinthian church and they were wild. He wrote that to the Corinthians and there was a wild bunch. Do you see that? Paul says, I talk in tongues more than ye all. So, he wrote two-thirds of this now, obviously, he had pretty sound doctrine because Jesus appeared to him and taught him everything. Can you imagine somebody who's going around killing Christians, putting him in jail, persecuting them? You know, all of a sudden, he sees Jesus, brighter than noonday sun, coming into him and sitting on his horse, and he fell down on the ground. He said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm the Lord Jesus. It's hard for thee to pick against, kick against the pricks. What shall I have me to do, Lord? Well, go in a city called Straight, and they'll be told what to do. He goes on down there saying, Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm born again. Jesus is alive and well, and He's real. Hallelujah. I've been blood washed in the blood, spirit-filled. He's preaching Jesus now. You don't just make a change just like that. Then Jesus took him up, you know, to uh, Damascus, Arabia, taught him everything about the, the, the new creation. That's why we got all these epistles right here. Now, notice how he establishes a church. The Apostle Paul, Acts 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, of, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received? Have you received? Doesn't say had God given, says, Have you received? Have you received what? The Holy Ghost since you believed, since you believed on who? Jesus. Well, I like their answer. And they said unto him, We've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You know why? They were sitting under the ministry of Apollos. And Apollos was just teaching the, the doctrine of John's baptism. Sure, you read on back there, 18, verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only, knowing only, the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of the God more perfectly. I like that. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Aquila and Priscilla, they were them tongue talkers. He says, come on over here, Brother Apollos. We've already talked to Paul. We've got something to share with you. Now, notice where this fellow went. And when he was disposed to pass to Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth. See, Apollos probably just got spirit-filled, took that new teaching over to Corinth, and they made a mess of it. That's right, didn't they? I mean, they, them Corinthians, I'll tell you what. They was them hanging from the chandeliers. You know, Everybody came in with a tongue, with a psalm, with a spiritual song, with an ode, with a, uh, everything, you know, a hymn. 
And Paul finally got a hold after Paulus was over there. He was just so on fire. He just said, let's just do it. You know, and they just did it. So Paul came along and says, look, I've got to instruct you fellas. Do you see that? I've got to tell you. He didn't say you shouldn't speak in tongues. He's telling them, look, this is how you do it. Got to put order in the church. Do it decently and in order. Don't go wild. Because people will come in and think you're mad. And they think we're mad enough, let alone having them think we're more mad. I mean, <laughs> so he gave them instructions. Said, now look, use the gift that God gave you wisely. Don't, don't do it like that. Don't. You know, misuse the gift. So he started to teach them. Well, that was just free. No charge. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, they only heard the teachings of Apollos. And they were baptized, you know, as John baptized. And they said unto them, We've not heard so, so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Then what were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism. Isn't that what Apollos knew? Was John's baptism? And then just say that there in 18 chapter? Sure. All right. Well, then said Paul, uh-huh, see, whose doctrine are you going to listen to, Apollos or Paul? Well, thank God for Apollos because he walked in all the light that he had. But, you know, when you're eloquent like he was, people look at you for your eloquence. 75-cent words, you know, brill cream. <laughs> that was Apollos, you know. Well, praise God, he's walking in all the light that he had, see. But then Paul got a hold of him. And he tells him, Then said Paul, Well, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Well, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now were they saved? Yes. Now, if you read in, in 1 Corinthians, you see that Paul was saying, I didn't really baptize many people. So I do not believe that Paul act, did the actual baptizing. But they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul was just like, you know, a hungry hound dog. I mean, he was... Can you see this? Look at the next verse. And when Paul laid his hands on them, he couldn't wait until they got out of the water. Because <laughs> he's going to lay some hands on them. <laughs> Well, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. See, they were first what? Saved. Isn't that what Peter preached? Now you see Paul preaching it. Isn't that what Philip did? Got them saved first? Then came Peter and John, and they prayed for them and laid hands on them. Holy Ghost came on them. Now notice this. Well, Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. See? When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll speak with tongues and prophesy. And I like this. It was a large church and all the men were about 12. You thought there was a revival there. I mean, can you imagine we put out big banners and signs called all the radio stations and all the television networks and saying, the Apostle Paul's coming preaching. And only 12 people show up. Oh, I'll tell you what. That's all he had was a crowd of 12 people. Some says, I'm going to be a missionary. Yeah. Uh, if Paul only drew 12 in his first time there, despise not the day of small beginnings. Amen. But the point is, first they were saved. Second, they were spirit-filled. And beloved, when a person is spirit-filled, this is the climax of all redemption truths. I want to say it again and again and again and again and again. 
Once you've been born again and received the life and nature of God into your spirit, become a child of God, the climax is this, of all redemption truth, that God Himself, in the person of the Holy Ghost, actually comes into your spirit to make your body His temple. First, recreate your spirit. Second, my spirit goes in you. And the Holy Spirit is a person, not an influence, not a force, a person. The third person of the Godhead, deity, actually comes into you like it did in the Old Covenant, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, and makes you the temple of the living God. All right, what does this mean? See, even Pentecostals, they've gotten their eyes over on tongues and they've neglected to recognize who is in them who is really in them. Because, beloved, if you recognize who is in you, you will walk fearlessly in life. I mean that. You do not have to pray up a storm to get God to move for you. Because you're His mobile home. You're His portable tabernacle when you're spirit-filled. I mean the manifest presence, the Shekinah glory, is in you. We need to stir Him up. Well, what does that mean? It means you have all that you need within. I'll repeat that. You, the born-again, spirit-filled believer, have all you need within to be successful and to be victorious in life. Don't ask God to give you something more. Pentecostal people many times will come to the altar and say, Lord, I want more. More what? Well, I want more of you. And I could just hear him echoing throughout the heavens. I've given you myself. I've given you my son. And I've given you my spirit. And they're all in you. I don't have any more. Did not Jesus say, fear not, little flock? It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He has actually given us of himself all that he is. All that He will ever be is in us. And as I said, don't try to comprehend that with your head because your head won't be able to do it. The believer is a million times bigger on the inside than he is on the outside. On the inside, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have all that we'll ever need to put us over in life. But the problem is we need to understand how to activate the ministry of the Holy Ghost within us by faith. And boy, I want to get into that. We need to know how to, the how to, how to activate the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us by faith. If we don't know how, he'll be a hitchhiker in life. If you know how, he'll be for you all the words says he'll be. And he's, that's a lot right there, what he said that he would be. We're going to get into that. But let me say something else here. Go to 1 John 4, 4. We'll read the scripture. I keep quoting it, but I want everybody to see it. I want to see the first part of it in particular. God Himself has declared. God Himself has declared Himself to be greater than, mightier than, any circumstance or any 
evil force that surrounds us in this life. God Himself in this scripture tells the Spirit-filled believer, I declare myself to be in you mightier than, greater than any circumstance, any situation, any evil force or influence that could come your way in this life. God Himself declares Himself to be greater. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? There's many demonic influences in the world. There are many evil spirits and evil forces that are in the world. But here, the apostle, and I like the apostle's doctrine, John said, You are of God. He has given unto you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has imparted His very life and nature into your spirit. And He has come in the person of the Holy Ghost to indwell you. You are of God, my little children, and already have overcome devils, demons, influences, circumstances, and situations that could come against you in life. For God has declared Himself to be in you greater than, mightier than, superior to any force or influence that could come your way in this life. That's what He says right here. And where is He? Say it with me. He's in me. So you've got to be a spirit-filled believer now. I want to emphasize that. Yes, I'm sorry. You have to be spirit-filled tongue talker. You know them people that's even Christians, they get on you and they say, well, you know, you speak with other tongues, that's of the devil, don't you know that? You know what I tell them? I served the devil for 24 years. He never let me speak in tongues. I got born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, asked the Holy Ghost to come into me, spoke with other tongues, and now you tell me I'm of the devil. I mean to tell you, I served the devil for 24 years. I wasn't saved for 24 years. And I never spoke in tongues. How come, it, you know, people think like that? Once you receive the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, all of a sudden, well, let's get, we'll, we'll talk about that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Because now it's time to meddle... <laughs> a little bit with us Pentecostals. Is that okay? Hmm? Is that okay? You like it when we meddle with those that don't believe that way. <laughs> well, let's see if we can take it. And if we step on your toes, remember, there's a healing service at the end of the month. God still heals toes. Because we've been born again and have His life in nature, and because we have been Spirit-filled, having His presence, manifest presence, the Shekinah glory, the Father and Son in the person of the Holy Ghost indwelling us, and because God has declared Himself to be greater or mightier in us than any force around us, consequently, the Holy Ghost's next step, see, most Pentecostals don't know there's another step in being acquainted with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit's next step is to take us on unto perfection. 
His next move in our lives is to take us on to perfection, making us or enabling us to reign in this life in reality over demon forces and circumstances. Because I've seen many spirit-filled believers sitting back saying, oh, the devil's been after me all week. And you don't know what I'm up against today. Would you please pray for me that God would somehow, some way, do something for me? And I say, are you born again? Yes. Are you spirit-filled? Yes. That means God has given unto you of Himself spirit, the Spirit, Himself, the Son, the Spirit, and they're all in you? Yes. And He said He'd help you in every circumstance of life? Yes. And He's bigger than the devil? Yes. He's greater than influences and forces? Yes. He's bigger than the circumstances of life? Yes. He's bigger than your car payment? Yes. He's bigger than your water bill? Yes. He's bigger than your electric bill and your gas bill? Yes. Is the God that you serve bigger than your mortgage and all the problems that could come your way and the necessities of life? Is your God bigger? Yes. He's so great. He made the world. And He's in you? Yes. And the devil's whipping up on you? Yes. What more could He give you? Fess up. What more could He do for you? I want you to know that when Jesus sat down at the Father's right hand, you know what that meant? I'm not doing anything else. I'm taking a break. <laughs> you deserve it, Lord. Believe me. So I've sent the Holy Ghost to indwell you, and it's more profitable that He be in you than I be with you on the earth. That's what He said. So, when you're a Spirit-filled believer, you could say, yes, He that is in me is greater than my mortgage, greater than the doctor bill that could come my way, or the hospital bill, or whatever bill is facing you out there tonight. The gas bill, the electric bill, the water bill, the garbage bill, every bill that, you know, they charge you for everything. Charge you to buy water anymore, even at a store. God's bigger and greater than all that stuff, and He's in you. So that means if you need help, all you need to realize is He said the Comforter or the Holy Ghost is your helper. So I pray for you that God would do something for you. Just go like this. Holy Ghost, I know you're in there. Amen. You say that sounds funny. Well, God wants us to be actors. Faith is an act. Holy Ghost, and I know you're in there. People pray to God like this here. Oh, Lord. No. Look down here. Out of your belly. He's in you. I know you're in there. Talk to Him just like I'm talking to you right now. Father, you're in there. I know you're in there. Holy Spirit, you're in there. Jesus, you're in there. Now it's time to flex your muscles. It's time to be my helper. Help me now. And you know he'll do it. I 
mean we need to be educated spiritually. I mean that. Beloved, prayer is not what people think it is. If I pray long enough, God will hear me. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God about your circumstance or situation, knowing where He's at inside you and saying, I'm letting you do it. Sit back and watch Him do it. You'll marvel at it, but you'll love it. Because He'll move through you. You're in me. Through you, He'll move. And He'll make that a reality or a truth in our life that I'm reigning as a king in this life of Christ Jesus. And I'm doing it by virtue of He that is in me is greater than all the bills, greater than all the problems, greater than all the devils, greater than all the diseases, greater than death itself, greater than all the sin. He's greater and He's in me. And here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Well, before I do that, I need to say something here. When you get filled with the Spirit, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you are going to be a prime target for the enemy. Some of you that have come and you've just been recently spirit-filled, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you come to a spirit-filled church, you get spirit-filled, and then, you know, it seems like things begin to go wrong. And you kind of wonder, look, I got spirit-filled, and I'm trying to understand why these problems are arising in my life. I want you to know something. Jesus didn't have any persecution, and Jesus was not bothered by the devil for the first 30 years of his life. Then... He went to John the Baptist and got baptized in water. And when he came up out of the water, the Holy Ghost descended from heaven like a dove, lied upon him, and he, was, he received the fullness of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. He received the full measure of the Spirit of God in his life. From that moment on, as a matter of fact, instantly, he went out into the desert and was tempted of the devil. He went into the same synagogue and he just began to talk and to preach and read the Scriptures that he did before. He was Spirit-filled and began to speak what the Word of the Lord said. And he was cast out and almost stoned, wanted to throw him off the brow of a hill. And from that time when he got Spirit-filled, all he had in his life was temptation and persecution everywhere he went. You might as well face it, brothers and sisters. When you get spirit-filled, you are going to be attacked by the enemy. He's going to try to attack your finances. He's going to try to attack your body and your health. He's going to try to attack your family. He's going to try to attack any which way that he possibly can to pull you down and to pull you under and make you quit. But I want you to know that God Himself has given something unto you. He has imparted Himself unto you. His Shekinah glory is inside you. And God has declared that no matter what Satan throws your way, I am bigger and greater on the inside of you to put you over the top and make you a success in life. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Amen. That's what it means. And it didn't stop with Jesus. No. You go back to the book of Acts. You thought it was beautiful. Peter preached his first sermon. Look out, Peter. He got spirit-filled. People were being added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Third chapter 
of the book of Acts, you find Peter and John. Same two, the one down to Samaria. Same two. Go into the temple about the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Man was lame from his mother's womb, was carried him to lay daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, asking alms. You know the story. Peter and John got him delivered. Silver and gold have I none, such as I have give out of you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Spirit-filled believer now, full of Holy Ghost and power, got this man, you know, to walk. Faith in his name made him walk. I mean to tell you, the first thing that happened, it stirred up the rulers of Israel. The devil got in there and stirred them up and said, We want no more teaching and preaching. They put Peter and John in jail. We don't want you to teach and preach in this name. I mean, the persecution started to come on him. Temptations of the devil started to come his way. As soon as he got spirit-filled, your, your friends are going to leave you. You become a spirit-filled tongue-talker. The fellows you thought was your friends are going to leave you. You're one of those. You're going to get persecuted, and from without it would be, you know, you'd be, it'd be okay. But from within, your friends, if they're friends, they see you for ten years, you know, born again, a good Christian, and all of a sudden you get spirit-filled, and right away it's taboo. There's no way I'm coming near you. I mean, that's all there is to it. Persecution. You'll be persecuted for living a spirit-filled life. And they immediately got persecuted. Don't you teach and preach in this name anymore. You know what they did? Oh, I love it. They went back and told all the people they fellowship with, all their company. I like the Holy Ghost filled company, don't you? I like company, company with Pentecostal people that are spirit filled, love God, and, and believe in all of it. Amen, don't you? Well, if they went back to their own company, told them all that the chief priests and elders said unto them, they didn't go and say, oh, now you know they're persecuting us. And the devil's been after us all these days since we healed, got that man healed. And I'll tell you what, we better not teach anymore in the name of Jesus because you never know what they're liable to do unto us. I mean, they put us in jail. What if they would have tried to kill us or something like that or hurt us or harm us in any way? Please pray for me that I get better and do well. Oh, please pray for me. They didn't act like that. They said, they lifted up their voice to God. One accord said, Thou art the Lord made heaven, earth, seen all that are in them is. And said, Now look at their threatenings. They're threatening us. Behold us, thy servants, and with all boldness we may speak thy word. How? By stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and more signs and more wonders will be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And you know what? They was all filled with the Spirit again. And spake the word of God with boldness, and the place was shaken when they was assembled together. Showing that what? Greater is he that's in you. Let him try it. Because in the next chapter, they prayed that prayer. And by the hands of the apostles were great signs and wonders among all the people. They brought him from every quarter. And they put him right beside Peter. And he's shadow overshadowing some of them. All of them. They're all delivered and set free. The lame, the sick, the halt, the blind, the main. They're all more signs and more wonders. They got a hold of the apostles again in chapter 5. Put them in jail again. This time they threatened them further. They says, don't you do it. They were ready to persecute them the next day. But you know what? And the angel of the Lord came and says, Go preach all the words of this life unto all these people. They went back into the synagogue again. They came down, found they weren't in jail anymore. Found out where they were at. They're preaching again in, in the temple. So they went down to the temple, got them again, and brought them back. And said, Look, we told you not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. They said, Who are we going to hearken to, you or, or, or to God? Man or to God? Well, listen to God. I don't care what you do, they said unto us. It doesn't matter what you do unto us. So they beat them. Yeah. They beat them. Now they're spirit-filled. See, you want to get spirit-filled? You come on in. So they beat them and let them go. 
And you know what they did? Oh, they didn't start crying and saying, oh, it hurts. They says, we counted a joy and a privilege, hallelujah, to suffer shame for the name, hallelujah, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's chapter 5. And then chapter 6, you know what they said? Then we need some help around here. We're getting too big. The body's growing, you know, getting bigger and getting bigger and getting bigger. said, find yourself some men of honest report and filled with faith in the Holy Ghost and let them wait on the tables. We're going to get into fasting and prayer, study the Word. And so they found a fellow by the name of Stephen. Stephen was a man of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. He's one of them spirit-filled individuals, you know. And so what does he do? He thinks he, they him a table waiter, a server. He says, come, spirit-filled. He goes out there. He begins to wait on tables. And then he starts doing signs and wonders among all the people. And the Spirit of God came upon him and gave him a mouthful of wisdom that none of the people were able to gainsay nor resist him. They just couldn't do anything about it. They got a hold of him once again and stirred up. The devil got stirred up, stirred up the religious folk. They came on in, got a hold of Stephen and said, Look, you better shut up and stop preaching about that name. He said, Go over to God. He said, You stiff-necked, uncircumcised Israelites, that's what he said to them. You always resist the Holy Ghost. And oh, they, you know, the other fellows, in, when Peter preached, you know what happened to them? They got pricked and got saved. These guys, their heart was so hard, they gnashed on them with their teeth. And said, you're getting it. And I mean to tell you, they took him out of the city and they began to stone him. But he was so full of God. He was so spirit-filled. He had the love of Christ. He had the compassion of Christ. He stood there in front of his accusers, full of the Holy Ghost. The Lord gave him an open vision. He saw the heavens open up. He saw Jesus and the, the glory of God, which is the Holy Ghost, at the right hand of the Father. That's the Trinity, the Godhead up there. And said, don't lay this into their charge. And took off. Glory to God. You ready to be Spirit-filled? Persecution starts when you get Spirit-filled, believe me. Amen. And it didn't stop there. That was the 6th and the 7th chapter. Then we come over to the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. In verse 1, you find out that what happened. See, we read chapter 8. But in verse 1, it says, There was great persecution on the church at Jerusalem. So Philip was the other one they pulled out, full of faith and power. He went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Do you see that? And then you take it over to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and you find a persecutor of the church by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And that persecutor turned into one who was being persecuted. When he saw Jesus, got saved, and spirit-filled, began to teach and preach with signs and wonders, and he said, You know the afflictions and the persecutions that were upon me. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.